Welcome to another Griffith University podcast. My colleague, Professor David Lamont, who was at the time in Nottingham, uh, Trent, Nottingham Business School, I went across there and worked with him on this uh, paper. He's now the Executive Dean of Toro University. He and I worked on this paper together and we tried to address this question. What are the characteristics and practical applications of a Confucian approach to self-regulation within the context of management ethics? And it's a suitable mouthful, hopefully, to impress you with its um, research language. Okay, so at a simple level, uh, just defining management ethics as the moral principles relevant to the practice of management. So uh, I'm teaching a course and have done so for 10 years on management concepts. And we have a very simple definition of management based on its functions. And so I'm really looking at how uh, at the um, management ethics, focusing on the moral issues associated on how a person manages an organisation. So I'm looking more at the micro level of how a manager um, approaches um, an organisation. Uh, Self-regulation, in fact, has mainly been discussed at the macro-industry level um, as, as to how industries can regulate themselves in terms of ethics. Um, but uh, I guess we're fo um, our paper's focusing a little bit more at the micro level uh, of how a manager will regulate themselves uh, when they are confronted with ethical dilemmas, etc., and how, how they will choose a path through the many ethical issues that may uh, confront them. And so we're looking at what might a Confucian notion of self-regulation contribute to an understanding of ethical behaviour in organisations. Okay, now I haven't even checked the opinion on these words that I'm going to present, nor have I written up the characters, but I see many Chinese-speaking experts around the room, so please help me uh, along the way here. So looking at six Confucian virtues, uh, and I believe that's the new, that's now the... Um, accepted uh, government image of Confucius. And you all know where that is? Doug, you travel in China? Shandong. Yeah, Shandong. Shandong and uh, Chufu, yeah. Chufu. Yeah, Chufu. The birthplace of Confucius, okay, which is... Has anyone been to Chufu? Okay. Only a couple. All right. Uh, and uh, this is apparently the accepted image, the um, standardised image now of Confucius that you'll see in a number of different places. So looking at six virtues related to ethical self-regulation, and we'll go through them one at a time. Now, uh, Ren, correct? Okay, so uh, you'll know what the character for Ren looks like, with the human on one side and two on the other side, indicating uh, a relationship. So it's often translated in English as benevolence or goodness, uh, and of course it's a foundational principle in uh, Confucian interpersonal relations. Um, some of you might have seen the orange-covered book uh, run on... Uh, and there's a whole uh, executive coaching company that has begun in China and is quite active in um, coaching managers in adopting uh, a Ren principle in uh, management. It's trying to introduce more of... Um, the benevolent aspects of management into senior management in China. One of my PhD students has been involved with that company indirectly. <coughs> so although it's, uh, the term is not directly defined in the Analects, it is mentioned over a hundred times. And the Analects emphasise Rena's moral goodness, whereas the post-Analect um, Confucian texts emphasise the idea of loving others. So you may have heard of this uh, being translated as loving kindness or something like that. 
So in relation to the self-regulation of behaviour, confusion managers are expected to act with empathy for others while maintaining their own standard of moral goodness in line with the principle of acting with benevolence. And it's regarded as a primary leadership characteristic in uh, at least Confucianism from an analect point of view. And the underlying belief is that relationships define an individual's humanity. So therefore, this, uh, in this particular principle, self-regulation, is refined and developed through the interactions in those relationships, rather than just those more simple process of, processes of um, isolated self-realisation and self-discovery. So it's more of an active uh, process of applying run in practice that will uh, lead to a greater level of self-regulation. Okay, so uh, righteousness or yi? Is it yi or yi? Yi. Yi, okay. Which is an interesting character in itself. Um, uh, it relates to living and behaving according to moral principles rather than focusing on material gain and self-interest. Now, as you can imagine, this is a challenge for for-profit organisations to have a, a management principle that says that moral principles are much more important than material gain and self-interest. And so, in this context, the Confucian manager is required to use moral issues to regulate decision-making rather than a short-term focus on material gains. That, of course, is contrary to a lot of practice, but uh, nevertheless, this is uh, one of the ideals. Now, Li, uh, ritual proprietary, is much harder to understand in the modern context. And um, some of you may have seen the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics. Um, some of the ceremonies orchestrated by Zhang Yimou in the opening ceremony. You remember the, some of those reflected some of the Confucian um, uh, ritual propriety acts. Is that correct, Doug? Did you see that? No, I didn't see it. Didn't see it? Okay. Apparently, it's, uh, some of those uh, reflect some of the more traditional practices. And the original concept relied on following the ancient rituals and sacrifices that were part of the court life at the time of Confucius. Um, Confucius uh, said himself that he was more a transmitter of ideas, uh, not necessarily the originator of a lot of ideas, some things that were already practiced at the time of uh, when he was around. However, even the Analects uh, broaden the idea to include the importance of following the social norms and of polite con conduct when interacting with other people. So uh, you might ask, well, how does this relate to building self-regulation? Um, uh, well, you could say that in a similar way to marching drill and respectful protocols such as salutes uh, are thought to reinforce the self-discipline regulation of those serving in the military, so people participating in these ritualistic acts were believed to develop uh, a degree of self-regulation. And I don't know if any of you have been involved with um, marching and drill and saluting, things like that. I've, um, have been an officer in the Air Force Cadets and, you know, all of this endless marching up and down which is supposed to develop our character. You wonder how it applies. Uh, well, in a similar way to those kind of ritualistic acts, it's supposed to help develop self-regulation and management as well. So, dr uh, 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 or wisdom, uh, it includes not only learning, it's often interpreted in a Confucian context as the uh, acquiring of learning and of knowledge, but it's also a recognition of the way, Dao, Dao, that's a Dao from Dao, uh, which is an ability to perceive situations accurately and to make 
correct judgments. So a crucial part of self-regulation is when an individual has to be wise enough to perceive situations accurately and make the right decisions based on a wise evaluation of the options. So uh, Drew is the self-conscious active power of decision-making and choice-making based on the recognition of a goal and thus more of a common will but a will to value. So it's a decision to value something above something else in your decision-making processes. Okay, so that's Drew. Now, trustworthiness, uh, or Shin. Shin or Shin? Shin, thank you. Uh, indicates loyalty to moral principles, to ritual and to social rules of proprietary. So it also refers to loyalty to one's superiors and in the well-known wulun, the hierarchical relationships. The emphasis on, is on standing by one's word uh, or more deeply being a dependable support for others. So this virtue then serves a purpose in encouraging a person to self-regulate and following through on commitments made in relationships. But of course, inevitably, this causes ethical conflicts because um, ethical conflicts are often a conflict between two relationships. Uh, for example, relationships to employees and relationships to your business owner in the management context. So um, how do you resolve that? Well, this is related, of course, to the Wulun that I mentioned. So resolution of context based on the well-known hierarchy of relationships in Confucianism. Um, so the ruler and subject, Father and son, husband and wife, although sometimes husband and wife isn't included there. Elder and younger brother, friend and friend. Okay, so these five classic relationships. And a lot of people, when they think of Confucianism, this is the first thing they think of. Uh, and in the modern context, the ruler and subject are often interpreted as a manager and staff in the organisation. However, in the Analects, the relationship of son to father takes precedence, which of course can means that you put family above your business decisions, etc. So the responsibility for trustworthiness follows this hierarchy, thus regulating a person to make decisions based on which relationship is primary in the hierarchy. Okay, so Xiao, which is... Um, uh, everyone tells me it's hard for Westerners to understand, and um, uh, I, I probably agree. So along with Ren, Confucians regard filial piety, Xiao, as the foundational among the virtues of human relationships, and it's uh, basic for building social harmony. So it basically means to serve and obey parents and to respect ancestors with all of one's capacity. And the idea is that self-regulation is taught and it starts at home. So this is interesting if you apply this to the modern business context, because you can judge a person's character by how they treat their family. Um, and uh, basically that's, that's a difficult thing for us because I've never come across any selection criteria um, where I've applied for a job that this person treats the person well at home. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, and that more uh, deeper knowledge of a person in their social context seems to apply here. So... Um, a Confucian approach to self-regulation and business ethics would require a more holistic view of a person's moral character as a basis for leader selection. So in terms of self-regulation, it's about whether the person uh, does treat their family, uh, and in particular their parents and ancestors well, in order to uh, choose that person for a managerial position. Now, as I say, this is an idealistic perspective. It's not necessarily how things are done in practice, but this is... Uh, what I believe is an important principle from the analects. Okay, so that's the first part, the six principles. 
Now, I shouldn't be doing this to my older colleagues, um, but can you remember the six principles that we just looked at? <laughs> Even if you refer to your notes, it's okay. Ah, oh, <laughs> All right, so, so they, that's the six. Can you say it again? <laughs> All right. Okay, Xiao. Yeah, we've got Xiao as well. Dao. Yep. Yep. True. Okay. All right. Okay, so there's an acronym, there's a way for remembering it. All right, so what are some of the principles then that guide the practice of ethical management? And so I put it, um, how many I've got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, so the goal of becoming a Junzi and the principle of social harmony, which I'll go over fairly quickly because it's a commonly discussed principle today. The principle of acting ethically according to roles. The principle of complementary reciprocity. My friends always call this you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back type principle. The principle of moderated desires, the pole star principle, and the principle of being good rather than emphasising good laws. Okay, so Junza is uh, the son of a ruler, uh, a literal translation, but it means a person of virtue, a gentleman, and normally it's um, translated as being a gentleman or a princely man. And the term appears 107 times in the Analects. So a Junza is a noble person who attempts to actualise Confucian cardinal values in concrete human relationships at any cost. So there's a goal. Uh, if you want to develop self-regulation. A goal to become a junta. And the junta is a person who is an involved agent with others, rather than someone who is detached, an in uh, a detached intellectual or an ivory tower philosopher. So a junta is an active person with people, a person who was amongst his disciples, as Confucius was, rather than just being um, isolated in an ivory tower, writing all day. So even today, uh, leaders still nominate the ideal of being a junsa as the standard of personal integrity. And there's a number of research uh, reports relating to that. So harmony, a uh, commonly discussed um, topic, very popular um, with the current leadership. Uh, and in Confucianism, regarded as a primary goal of personal and social life. So uh, uh, harmony is achieved by uh, acting according to the Confucian social hierarchy, uh, Wu Lun, as we mentioned before, practicing Ren, Yi, and Li. But harmony is not sameness. So a more accurate uh, analogy would be an orchestra with people who are acting, doing their own uh, instrument, but harmonizing in together, rather than a group of soldiers who are definitely uh, marching in time doing the same thing. So one of the quotes from the Analects in English is, the Master said, the Junza acts in harmony with others but does not seek to be like them. The small man seeks to be like others and does not act in harmony. So, um, of course, the big issue today is uh, um, how much does harmony mean uh, a strong imposition of authority? Uh, at least from the Analects' perspective, the Confucian idea of harmony doesn't directly imply domination particularly with the, uh, the Confucian emphasis on humans harmonising with nature. And patriarchal authority carries with it the responsibility to maintain harmony by showing concern and considerateness for subordinates within the guidelines of moral leadership. So in exercising authority, the leader must also fulfil the requirements for harmony, which introduces an additional set of role obligations and responsibilities that should significantly circumscribe the apparent absolutionist nature of head's power. Okay, so thus, the manager regulates behaviour 
being cognizant and are following the role obligations and responsibilities of being a manager. So that then leads us on to the next part, which is acting ethically according to roles. So uh, uh, at least some authors have uh, suggested that Chinese society and business culture is not just relationship-based, but it's also role-based, and that some of those roles uh, have been prescribed in Confucian tradition and persist in some form or another that have been modified and changed over the years to today. So a number of passages in the Analects argue strongly for people to act ethically according to their social roles through the process of rectifying names. Now this, Zheng Ming, is a, is a controversial area, what do, uh, topic, what does it mean? But some authors certainly interpret this in terms of people acting according to um, uh, their social roles. So John Macon from the ANU, Australian National University, and others believe that this concerns prescribing rather than just describing socio-political distinctions and standards. So, um, therefore, a manager has to act according to long-standing ethical standards attached to the leadership and management role, rather than establishing their own set of ethical standards which is different from modern organisations, where modern organisations will establish a set of values and uh, standards, uh, rather than necessarily looking back to an old set of standards to rely on. Um, And leaders must therefore publicly adhere to these expected attitudes and behaviours and uh, exhibit a cognizance of the full personhood of others based on those roles. Okay, so the you scratch my back, I'll scratch your your back principle. Um, And other people translate this as uh, the golden rule, which is do unto others as you have them do to you. Uh, And the analects, some people say that the analects state it in more of a a negative term, that uh, don't, those, uh, that which you do not desire, do not do to others. So, um, often people point this out as a point of similarity between Confucianism and Christianity and uh, other religions. So this obviously should um, affect a person, a manager who's making a decision to consider the perspective of other people, uh, only to do those things uh, that uh, they would uh, be happy having done to them. Now the pole star principle, the pole star um, is an old navigation term, um, can be seen in the sky, the night sky, and helps to direct sailors as they sail and people as they're finding their way. So uh, this principle in Confucianism refers to the idea that the leader must be an attractive model of what a virtuous person should be, so that followers will adjust their behaviour in relation to this good example. So this person is there as a person who is being, not just doing. So you see the person uh, in their conduct and you follow that uh, good example. So uh, one quote from the Analects is, when one rules by virtue... uh, uh, it's like the pole star, and it dwells in its place, and the other stars pay reverence to it. So, do you think it's true? Um, I suppose uh, this principle holds that the leader's goodness can modify the nature of the people. Therefore, the leader inspires self-regulation of ethical behaviour by their example. Okay, and another uh, principle is that of moderated desires. So, um, just the, a couple of weeks ago... Uh, we were talking about goal setting with management students and a lot of uh, management students and others are often urged to dream big dreams. 
to visualise the potential material benefits of being in a business management role. But Confucius argued that the leader's role includes a responsibility to regulate their own, uh, the leader's own desires, as well as being moderate with speech and acting cautiously with moderation. So therefore, to improve self-regulation, a manager should temper excessive desires with the more important focus of developing moral character. And uh, Slingerhand, in commenting on the Analects, says that the key to political order is personal self-cultivation on the part of the ruler. Okay, so the conflict between, or well, conflict, or the contrast, you could say, between good laws and simply being good. So in uh, regulation, in the ethical context, in a lot of Western organisations, there is a focus on the code of ethics. So many of you will know that uh, a couple of uh, months before Enron collapsed, they produced a very detailed 60-something um, page document of ethics and how the organisation should be run. And of course, a few months later, it collapsed. <laughs> um, so that uh, codes of ethics... Um, of course, people, uh, companies put, some companies put a lot of effort into producing these codes of ethics and these rules and uh, what we should do, um, but how they are carried out, obviously, is a more important aspect. So, one of the analects passages says that if, um, if you try to guide the common people with coercive regulations and keep them in line with punishments, the common people will become evasive and have no sense of shame. If, however, you guide them by virtue then, and keep them in line by means of ritual, people will have a sense of shame and will rectify themselves. So this is, there's some discussion uh, uh, in Confucian thought as to the role of the law, but um, at least from the Analects, there's a number of passages that indicate that Confucius appears to view the law as a seldom used tool of last resort, and that frequent heavy-handed use of legal compulsion is a sign of ineffective leadership. So... Um, would um, a Confucian approach support the production of um, ethical guidelines? Perhaps not. Perhaps it's not an important aspect of uh, uh, ethics in organisations. Okay. So, just a couple of brief points before we uh, discuss things. So some of the practices to develop self-regulation. So I've tried to look at these in relation to what could be done uh, today. So rites and rituals, does it have any relevance to modern organisations today? If it's uh, something that's emphasised very strongly in the analects, is there any value in encouraging employees to participate in practices that are similar to rites and rituals? Um, the idea of rites and rituals, uh, at least in the time of Confucius, <coughs> arguably is that it promotes communion with people, that uh, people need to relate to each other and um, relate in harmony to uh, act together in the, uh, the rites and rituals. And, of course, there was the conception of uh, communicating with the divine uh, and that these rites and rituals would be maintained over um, history, over time. Right, so uh, I'll just move on to a couple of other topics before we um, come back to some of the, the, the questions. Um, the role of music. Um, the Analex certainly emphasises um, the role of music in building um, ethical behaviour. Uh, does, uh, does this have any relationship to social harmonisation 
learning to work together in producing a musical piece, or at least playing a musical piece. Is there anything in music that uh, has the power of some kind of aesthetic beauty to inspire a person to act more ethically? Um, and of course, myself coming from a Christian background, which is regarded as the singing religion, I've been involved in some churches where there's a lot of singing. Um, does that have any influence or power in developing <laughs> a person's uh, ethical <laughs> approach to life <laughs> or their awareness, or is it just a bit of fun, happy, clappy sort of stuff? Um, I've certainly been in organisations um, in China where there's been singing at the beginning of the day, um, there have been rituals, etc., at the beginning of the day, looking at the Datsu and reciting things together. Um, so is there any role of music in building self-regulation, or is music just a leisure activity that we engage in here that should be kept away from uh, the workplace? Um, another practice to develop self-regulation, the idea of self-examination, but um, at least as we read in the Analects, um, it's more of an uh, interactive process, um, and it's a, but it is, involves a reflection on everyday events rather than uh, a more metaphysical type approach. Okay, and, and finally on this section, uh, mentoring. So within a mentoring relationship, Confucius would appear to encourage active discussion of ethics in practice. Mean, you know, the analects themselves are basically primarily a series of um, anecdotes and discussions uh, of Confucius with his disciples. Um, and he would uh, appear to encourage, at least how he's represented, okay, I know that um, obviously uh, we, we can't tell how much of the analects were written by Confucius. Uh, it was obviously compiled by his disciples at a later time, changed over history, etc. But as a representation of Confucius uh, in the Analects, we could say that he does appear to encourage active discussion of ethics and practice with participants offering opinions and receiving correction or encouragement, which of course is in contrast to um, perhaps the examination system, which emphasised uh, uh, hard knowledge rather than that more interactive approach to um, obtaining knowledge. Okay, so I'll just move on to this last section and just cover it very briefly, um, some of the issues. And um, in researching this, I've read um, perspectives on both sides of this. Uh, for example, the Confucian attitudes towards women. Uh, there are those who argue quite strongly that um, uh, Confucius had a, a, didn't have a very um, negative attitude towards women, um, but... Uh, there is a different understanding of roles. Um, but obviously this is a, a big issue and I won't go into. Uh, and of course the history of repressive, repressive regimes that have used Confucianism to justify their actions. As you know, Confucianism has um, come and gone in its popularity and uh, it wasn't so long ago that um, Confucianist, Confucian, Confucius was uh, roundly rejected uh, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, would Confucius support or oppose the idea of whistleblowing, which is an important aspect in, uh, of ethical uh, behaviour? So would Confucius support the idea of, if someone saw something uh, being done wrong in an organisation, that they should override their loyalty to the organisation in reporting this um, wrongdoing to an outside body? And there is a debate in the literature about this. Um, those who say that Confucius would be in favour of whistleblowing, 
quote Anne Lacks 2.24. To see the right and not do it is to lack courage, so that you have to demonstrate your uh, moral superiority, your um, status as a junza, to identify this uh, moral wrongdoing and to report it. But those who oppose whistleblowing, saying that um, if it's outside of the Wulun, then you should not... Uh, you should stick to the, the five relationships. They would say um, it's rare to find a person who is filial to his parents and respectable to his elders, yet who likes to oppose his ruling superior. Never has there been one who does not like opposing his ruler who has raised a rebellion. And there's a specific example in the Analects of um, someone who is praised for um, maintaining the ethic, uh, maintaining the uh, being loyal to the family above uh, making a stand on an ethical issue. So, further research from our paper, um, these are the questions that um, perhaps we'll look at in the future. Is it possible to use Confucian practices to ethically regulate management behaviour without suppressing creativity, business development, and innovation? So, would all this work in practice? Um, and do the self-regulation conceptions of Confucian moral philosophy res actually restrain an ethical management practice in modern societies? Does it work in practice? So we open up for okay. discussion. Thanks very much, Peter. For more Griffith University podcasts, go to www.griffith.edu.au forward slash podcasts.